Welcome to Heart of Worship Church Podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. This morning, uh, we're going to be talking about the anointing. If I may uh, preach the unction of the Holy Spirit, for it is only the Holy Spirit that brings revelation. It is only the Holy Spirit that teaches and that preaches. Amen? Well, God had confirmed so many times uh, the word for this morning. If y'all weren't here Saturday night, I have to say y'all missed out. And this is not to condemn you, but my word, it was powerful. Uh, it, <laughs> it was all about the anointing. God was coming forth in words about being anointed for what God has called you to do. And those that were here basically anointed one another, prayed over each other, and it ended where the Holy Spirit spoke to us and said, anoint the pulpit. It's not magical. We don't worship any physical item. But I'm going to step back and show to you that pulpit represents this ministry. It represents teaching, preaching, prophecy, exhortation, even rebuke. It represents everything of the fivefold offices that have stood behind that pulpit or appear now, me as a pastor. And I felt it was appropriate that we bring out that fresh oil and apply it to the ministry as a whole to say, God, we are sanctified and set holy apart from the worldly system. And whatever is the status quo or whatever the opinions of man are, this pulpit, meaning this ministry, is anointed of God for such a time as this. Not an arrogance, not at all. No, there's no self-righteousness, there's no judgment, but there is confidence in the truth of God's Word. And we will boldly declare in love and compassion that there is a way where there seems to be no way. He is the way the truth, and the life. Amen? So if you have your Bibles this morning, open with me to 1 John chapter 2, verse 27. I would like to start by saying this. The anointing is not defined by a man or a minister in word or song who gives you goosebumps. I want to say that again. The anointing is not defined by a man or a minister in word or song who would give you goosebumps. That's not the anointing. Howbeit the anointing can give you goosebumps, but goosebumps solely are not a defining factor of anointing. Rather, simply put, it is the endorsement of heaven itself. The anointing in this simplest definition is when heaven itself endorses you. When heaven itself you know, my notes, Brother Calvin said God himself. I'm going to go ahead and tell y'all straight up. I changed that. Yes, God is the uh, supreme authority. But when all of heaven is in agreement with your calling, your ministry, your life, that's a powerful thing. That is when you're anointed. I told my wife, and I've said many times, and it is true. You don't have to sound good to be anointed. I've heard... One particular person, I'm not going to name her name, 
But I'll never forget the moment God just, get, it was just in my head, but that first service, Pastor Glenn was the first time I had revelation of what I knew what was theologically sound in my head. I saw it. She sounded like a train wreck. American Idol would shut her down in half a second. Thank you. Have a nice day. But heaven showed up. Heaven showed up. I told my wife, I said, I felt in that service that it was as if I was laying peacefully on a surfer's board, face down, floating in the water and the ocean on a cool, sunny day, letting the waves take me wherever it was. Just that calm. I said, that's exactly how my spirit felt. But to the natural ear, it was quite different. But she was anointed. She was anointed. Just because I'm about to step on some toes, Pastor, it's a good thing some people step back a little bit. Just because Carrie Underwood sings How Great Thou Art, that doesn't mean it's anointed. Can I get an amen? Love her with the love of the Lord. And I pray she comes out from among them and be separate. Because that, and going forward, is what the anointing starts. Holiness. Sanctification. So, 1 John chapter 2.27. Everybody have a say amen. amen. What or who is the anointing is the question. It says, but the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you. And ye not, and praise God, thank you, Jesus, Brother Wayne, I love this scripture. Some pastors would say right here at this moment, before we read it, oh, I don't know about this, I, I feel insignificant. Praise God, that's a good thing, because we are insignificant without the Holy Spirit, amen? I'm going to say, as a pastor, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very pleased with this, that to the congregation, you need not a man, you need not a pope. You need not a Jimmy Swaggart or a Billy Graham. You need not even a Nathan Morse. Those are good. They're called. There's a purpose. But you, if your faith is in a ministry or a man or a denomination, come on, somebody. Amen. Then your faith is misplaced. Put it where it belongs, in the Holy Spirit. Woo! Which abide in you. And you need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing. Everybody say same. Same Same anointing teacheth you of all things and is truth and is no lie. Ye shall abide in him. Y'all see that? Go back to the first slide. Same verse. Abide in you. Y'all see that? But the anointing which ye have received, church, talking about the anointing. Now, the word anointing, let, let me just go ahead and do this quick preface. That sounds very religious, right? Oh, you anointed, right? We wanted to get past just the religiosity of the word anointing. Going back to the simple definition, it means when heaven endorses you. But let's talk about the anointing. The anointing, the endorsement from heaven itself, abides in you. It says abides in you. Shall we say the endorsement of heaven abides in you. And it, skip to the next slide. Same verse, longer verse that so doesn't have enough. And it all you abide in Him. So here's what the question was. I wrote in my notes. What or, better word, who, who is the anointing? Because
because if the anointing is just the endorsement, which it is, but notice that it said that it teaches you. That is personified. That's powerful. So if somebody, you can say they are anointed of God, you're not saying that they're gifted. Oh, no. You're not. They pro- I believe you can be gifted but not anointed, but you can't be anointed and not gifted. You can be gifted but not anointed. There's a lot of talented people out there, but they're not endorsed by heaven. But you cannot be endorsed by heaven and not gifted. He gives gifts liberally to all those who would ask. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. The, t- the key takeaway for 1 John chapter 227, if you have a, a highlighter and an underliner, you want to put in you. Because the personification of the anointing is, pu- is pointed out that it is within you. And more importantly, I'll, I'll say that confidently, the word teacheth. An endorsement can't teach you. What I'm seeing very specifically and very poignantly put is the anointing is simply this. Y'all ready? The person of the Holy Spirit. You shall receive power. Pastor Glenn talked about the grace of God is his favor. Well, we always talk about in the word of God that it's also his power. You shall receive power. You shall receive Favor that after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be my witnesses. Hallelujah. Qualifiers. Qualifiers. Go with me to Exodus chapter 29. So we, had, we, we wanted to look at firstly, what is the anointing? Simply put, the endorsement of heaven. What or who is the anointing is the Holy Spirit. Let's go down further. If you have your Bibles, Exodus, the second book of the Bible, the 29th chapter. For the sake of time, Brother Jacob, Leger, you know what I'm talking about. Exodus 29, the burnt offerings, Exodus 29, verse 1. For the sake of time, we're not going to go through the whole chapter, but this definitely is talking about the priests. Hear me what I'm saying. Exodus 29 is going to be covering, and I encourage you all to read it if you'd like for the history side of it, but for the sake of time, we're only going to cover a few verses just the ones that point out the anointing so we can see exactly the first time God instituted the anointing. We talk about that religious word. Let's go to the very origins of it, which would be Exodus chapter 29. It says this. You have your Bibles. Uh, everybody have a say amen. amen. And this is the thing that thou shalt do unto them to hallow them. To hallow them. Simply mean, I uh, looked it up in the Strong's, hallow means to be sanctified. And our favorite word at Heart of Worship Church Holy, holy, set apart for the kingdom of God, reserved. Newsflash, men and women that are married, you are holy unto your spouse. You are reserved solely for your spouse. You are sanctified for bride of Christ. You are holy reserved, set apart unto the groom, who is Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Holy matrimony. That's right. See, we gotta, we, I love how we can take these religious terms and broadly define to, to see the true essence of what the word means. We religitize so many words. It's much more than that. Holy unto Miranda because she is my wife. Amen. 
And this is the thing the Lord saying that thou shalt do unto them to hallow them to minister. Now notice this to minister unto me into the priest's office. Take one young bullock and two rams without blemish. We're stopping there because we're not going. The point of the message is not about the burnt offering, but actually it is about the priests. And I know some of y'all in this room be like, well, praise God, I'm going to take my shoes off because that's not me. (laughs) Get ready for the ending. Maybe God will give me the punchline early like he did earlier, but we're going to get somewhere. Verse 7, skip there. To verse 7 it says, Then thou shalt take the anointing oil and pour it upon his head and anoint him. This is the first time in the scripture that you are going to see what we now do traditionally as an anointing oil laying on of the hands. Now, historically, you were going to be the next king. Guess what happened? You got anointed. And you have been endorsed by heaven to be either king or priest. But commissioned for the mission is always ordained through the anointing. Amen? And thou shalt take the uh, verse 21. Verse 21. And thou shalt take of the blood that is upon the altar and of the anointing oil. Y'all see that? Now take very close account, theologians in the house who know very well the story of the crucifixion. Take very close mindset that it says the blood that is on the altar and the anointing oil and sprinkle it upon Aaron and upon his garments and upon his sons and upon uh, his sons with him and he shall be hallowed, which means holy. He shall be set apart. That moment where the transfusion of the blood of the sacrifice and the oil of the anointing combined in one place that sprinkled it upon not just him, but his garments that made them holy, that made them sanctified, righteous. Come on. And his garments and his sons and his sons with his garments with him. It was very, very clearly put through the Gospels. When that spear pierced the side of the sacrifice, that blood and flowed. And if we know through the New Testament revelation of what the Old Testament was concealing, Pastor Glenn, that it was the Holy Spirit, it is a bi-parallel application and uh, symbolism that the Holy Spirit was both water and oil. Oil. The anointing oil, the Holy Spirit. Blood was the sacrifice, Jesus. God the Son, God the Holy Spirit came after His ascension. See, the two part. But this was so prophetic of the crucifixion because it took the oil and the blood in the Old Testament. We saw it pan out at the crucifixion when the water and the blood flowed. It takes the Holy Spirit. It takes the blood of Jesus. Next, the purpose. Go with me to Luke chapter 4. Thank you, Jesus. Luke chapter 4. We're going to be looking at verse 18 through 19. I don't have a whole lot of scriptures. In fact, this is actually the last piece of it. Because I want us to bring out what the anointing is. I want us to bring out the need for the anointing. And I want us to then say, Lord, give us new anointing. 
Luke chapter 4. We're talking about the purpose now. Everybody say purpose. Why do we need the anointing? Well, Jesus, quoting Isaiah, the prophet actually reading from, in the temple at this point, he came out of the wilderness. Before that, he was baptized. Before that, (laughs) a lot of childhood things. But Jesus says this, quoting Isaiah, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He hath anointed me to preach. He hath anointed me to preach. See that? He hath anointed me to, talking about purpose, what is it for? To preach, church, to the gospel, to the poor. He hath sent me to what? Heal, there's that word, the brokenhearted. To do what? Preach deliverance to the captives. And Lord, God, I know what it was. Bound by drugs. I was delivered by it. Come on, sister. You know what I'm talking about. That's the gospel. Come on, y'all give God praise. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. That is the anointing. Gifting will never deliver someone from drug addiction. Gifting will never free the alcoholic. Gifting will never do any of that. But the anointing will. And recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty them that are bruised. Y'all think about Jesus reading that. The son of the living God reading that, not me. He, these are the words that were coming out of his mouth. And I don't know about you, church. Maybe I shouldn't try to fill in a gap. But I'm talking about the emotion of Scripture is left to the understanding or your own interpretation as you read it. But when Jesus is saying, this is that time that it is fulfilled and he is reading it, it even says, and I can say confidently because now I'm realizing later on in the passage, you don't have, I, we're not going to read it, but y'all can read it down if you want, that he said, who is this man? Come on, Brooke. Who is this man that speaketh with one having what? authority and how because he was what anointed to preach verse 19 the acceptable year of the lord church this time and this hour of 2019 when all hell is breaking loose in the united states of america better turn off the news it'll depress you the church needs the anointing more than any gifting We need to stop paying worship leaders for their gifting. And we need to start putting it out there. Are you called and anointed? If so, let God bless you. The anointed ones will be like, yes, Lord, I'm here to serve. The gifted ones will be like, I can go somewhere else. Don't pay me. This is the problem with the church today. We're so caught up in the programs and the giftings that we're losing sight of the power of God, the endorsement from heaven. Next one, three purposes of the anointing. Let's talk about those. We're going to go into a few of these notes. Let's see. Based on the readings that we just went through, check this out. The three main purposes of the anointing. Number one, to make you consecrated or holy. Church, you want to be anointed? Number one, this is what it does. This is going to be the byproduct. If you say, Lord, anoint me, God, even if it kills me like Samson said because he lost it. God, give me the anointing. Well, number one, let me tell you straight up, first and foremost, count the cost like Jesus said. You're going to lose friends, Corey. They're going to laugh at you, Elizabeth. 
They don't want it. Mm, you crazy, girl. You know what? I'm crazy for Jesus. That's fine if you think that way. The first thing that you're going to lose is everything. Woo, glory to God. Sign me up, Brother Calvin. Where do I sign? You want to be anointed? Well, you're going to have to be totally set apart unto God. Woo. Number two, the purpose, again, is to minister to the Lord. First, you become married, reserved, consecrated for the purposes of ministering to your groom. Jesus. See, that's something that a lot of us miss. Because in ministry, Pastor Glenn, we know this. Right now, I'm a pastor. I'm, I'm ministering the word, right? It's so routine to have this unintentional mindset of 100% of ministry is to the people. We forget. Exodus 29 told us the reason it was was first to minister to the Lord. The first one. Once anointed, once set up for it, once said, I do, Jesus, is to minister to your groom. Be ye holy, for I am holy. Number three, obvious one, we just talked about it. Minister to the people. My brother, I cannot minister to people unless first I'm holy, consecrated, and secondly, I know how to minister to him. Now, number one is extremely important. It is priority. That's the first step, the very first step. But I can't get to three until I first know how to minister to him. This is the last. This is a chronological order for that anointing. Holy, minister to Jesus. And Jesus, through you, will minister to them. Come on, give him praise. Amen. Some of y'all be like, well, that's not me. I'm not a priest. I'm not a prophet. I'm not a pastor. I'm not an apostle. List them all out. I'm about to get you. I'm about to get you. The three stages. Let's talk about the process. Now, we talk about what is the anointing. We talk about the outcomes of the anointing, what it does to minister to the Lord through holiness and to the people, right? How do you get there, Heather? The stages. Step one. Y'all, this would be great. Position. First, God has to put you in His will, in your place, where He desires. Right standing with the Lord is the definition for what righteousness is. People associate righteousness with holiness. They're related, but not the same. When I say that I'm holy, yes, I'm set apart. That's good. You're waiting for your orders. But when you're righteous, that means you got the orders. I'm where he called me to be. Amen. Come on, somebody. I said, God, I surrender to your will. Like Samuel said, here I am, Lord, send me. But until he said, go to your Bethlehem called Letsworth and serve unto Pastor Glenn and the Mayu family and take care of the flock, that was when I, in positioning, became righteous. The first step to receive the anointing is to be positioned where God called you to be. Because let me tell you, the oil don't flow where God ain't at. And if you want to be at the big fancy and the societal acceptance places, and he's not there, and you're expecting that oil to flow, he ain't there. 
Number two, first positioning. The second stage is the pressing. Oh, get ready. That's where it's going to get fun. My wife had brought this out a while back, even months ago. Hadn't heard it in that way before. Anointing oil. We have here, we have there, which, by the way, we can go ahead and plug. If God leads you to, this is what this is for. If you need one to carry with you, because it is scriptural, have it in your purse, in your pocket. I keep one in my pocket. Anoint with oil. Pray. Everything on this welcome table is for everybody. Bibles, devotions, bracelets, everything. Whatever we can do, provide. But the point I'm getting at, you cannot get olive oil. Listen, this is very, very scientific. You can't make oil until you crush the olive. Boy, that's revealing, huh? When we say, Lord, anoint me, get ready. Again, brother, sign me up, right? Again, going back to, if there's any scripture you want to always come back to in your head, Jesus said these words, three of them, count the cost. Salvation is free, sonny. But it will cost you everything. Number three, the last. The stages of the anointing to be positioned to the press, to be pressed, and lastly, to be poured out. So we say it this way. Positioning, pressing, and pouring. Pour it out. Let your love run over. Here and now. You don't want to be filled with the intention to hoard it. That's what I call spiritual obese people. They want, they want to feed. They want to eat. Oh, God, give me that good anointed message. Give me that good anointed worship. Give me that. Uh, and when you leave, hallelujah, I've, I've, I've got my meal. So now what you're going to do tomorrow, Tuesday morning, y'all know what is coming up. Y'all going to work, right? Y'all been fed. To whom much is given, much is you have it, give it. If you hoard it, that spiritual food will make you fat. Positioning, pressing, and pouring. Think about it in this way. Who's the greatest example in our lives and out of the Word of God? Can anybody tell me? Who's the greatest? Oh, praise the Lord. I got a good answer. Hallelujah. Number one, Jesus was positioned at, at his baptism. The, look, he was prepared. He knew how to do things, the masonry, the carpentry under Joseph. He had a little experience in the temple. It was really revealing. 12 years old, so much wisdom going forward. But it was at the moment when he saw somebody preaching, the prepare ye the way of the Lord. Listen to me, church. Jesus, the Son of God, saw it visually. It was there. It was, he had to do this, church. I'm walking to that Jordan River. Jesus, listen, going to it, positioned himself at the baptism where John the Baptist said these words, that is the Lamb of God that taketh away the, the sin of the world. Yeah. Woo! Come on, church. Position first. That was the announcement and the ordination. Boom. That is the Lamb of God. Pressing. Anybody guess what happened next? Led into the wilderness. Step two, pressing. Forty days. 
no water, no food. That was a miracle. Scientifically, you, any nurse, doctors, and medical understanding in the house, that was a miracle. But he was obedient. And why was he obedient? Why can we say that? Because what does it say, church? He was led into the wilderness by John the Baptist, the synagogue people, the priest. No, the Holy Spirit. So when God says, hey, do it, first thing you say is, that's impossible. <laughs> Guess who you're talking to? He will make a way where there seems to be no way, my brother. Mm. There is no greater form of endorsement from heaven than when you say, I know it's crazy. I'm going to walk in the most impossible circumstances, and God will do it. Pray for him to get raised from the dead. God, you crazy. He's already dead. See? Putting yourselves in the... Imagine if Smith Wigglesworth decided, you know, God, that's just... That's impossible. Imagine if Smith Wigglesworth, if y'all know his testimony, anybody raise your hand just for fun? Y'all ever heard of him? He literally raised the dead. Imagine if that man decided, Josh, that... Before his ordination and positioning where God says, I'm positioning you, Smith. I'm putting you where I want you. And this is what I've called you to do for that anointed purpose for such a time as this. And if he said, that's impossible. I'm sorry, God, I'm out. How many people would have missed? So then let's ask ourselves this question. If you've ever said no to God, how many people missed out because of your disobedience? Ouch. I'll stand in for front of the line. Lord, forgive me. The wilderness came after the baptism, which was his positioning. So he got pressed, tempted, and tried. He made it through the pressing. And lastly, church, pouring. We just read it. <laughs> the revealing of his ministry was in the temple thereafter the wilderness pressing. When he said... The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. I want y'all to take note at that baptism of the positioning. Guys, listen. When Jesus was baptized, can anybody tell me what happened after He came out of the water? It just floated down on Him. It literally rested upon Him. And in that verse, He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. It came upon Him. And when God sends the spirit, His Spirit to rest upon you for that anointed purpose, and He says, well done, this is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. Get ready for your pressing. Get ready to die. Get ready to be crushed. Amen? So Jesus was positioned, He was pressed, and He was poured out at the temple, delivered the demoniac. And I've heard it said before, this is powerful. Today, the church would kick the demoniac out of the temple and not the demon out of the man. Jesus called us to kick the devil out of the man, not the man out of the temple. Amen. I'm coming to a close. Jacob, come on up and, and pray and worship. Now, hear me, church. Hear me what I'm telling you. Remember what I said about us in this room. There are five offices. You might say, I'm not going to, uh, God hasn't called me to be an apostle. He hasn't called me to be a prophet. He hasn't called me to be an evangelist. He hasn't called me to be a preacher. He hasn't called me to be a teacher. Remember what the anointing was for? Kings, 
priests. Revelation chapter 5, verse 10 says this, He hath, God hath made us all kings and priests. Welcome to the positioning. Get ready for your pressing. Some of y'all are already there. Some of y'all just look back and be like, I remember when God put me here. I remember when I fell on my knees and I cried out to God and I broken. And now I'm going through my pressing. It is to be then poured out like oil. God doesn't fill a vessel that he does not intend to pour out. So if you say I'm full of the Holy Ghost, praise God. Get to tipping. Pour out. Don't be spiritually obese. You have friends and family and coworkers and people that are in your life that read the Bible you live. And if you're not being poured out, you're missing the call that God has anointed you for. We're talking about a fresh anointing. Note the word fresh, because many in this room, I know God has positioned, pressed, and already poured. Guess what? Lord, round two. Round three, Jesus. Round four. Leonard Ravenhill says this. He said this in, in a book. He said, every year, talking about this man, Dunama, Duma, Dumas, which I thought it was ironic because it plays on the word Dudamas, power. But Dumas had new counsels from God. New revelations. Note the word new. New anointings, he said. Leonard Ravenhill continues by saying, there is no such thing as a one time filled with the Holy Ghost that's going to last you from here to eternity. Mm. I do not believe that, he says. Do you believe that brother mural? No, sir. There are repeated anointings. There are times when God will withdraw himself to make you feel as though you're, you're dropping into the, to neither the most hell. He'll leave you alone to see that if you're going to struggle after his anointing or you're going to go your own way of eloquence, ability, and gifting. The Lord, thy God, is a jealous God. So church, I don't know about y'all, but I sure could use fresh oil, new anointing. And again, I'm talking to not prophets and apostles. I'm not talking to pastors just in itself. The word has come forth not just this morning, but all week on the anointing. And church, we pray the prayer request. We lift them up. We petition God every time we come to these doors. We do what it is that God has called us to do. But church, some of us, our fuel meters are running a little low. Our oil is on fumes. Round two, Jesus. I'm ready for a new anointing. Everybody stand. With every head bowed and every eyes closed. If you know that in your heart of hearts that God is calling you deeper. You're going dry. You want a deeper relationship with Jesus. You miss the groaning and the agonizing and the pulling of the Holy Spirit. You become religious and you have missed out on that intimate time with God. You're ready for the fresh outpouring of the Holy Ghost. That is you. Come to these altars now. Do not be ashamed. Come on now. God, pour out your spirit, and we are going to anoint you with oil.
That oil is physical, but it is spiritual. It is symbolic. God, I need a new outpouring of your spirit because when he pours out on you, church, get ready. He's going to use you to be poured out to the world. In the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you, God. Thank you for listening to Heart of Worship Church podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.